Would you help me welcome as the offering is being passed, passed bring bucket for the sake of time tonight. Just pass it. Give generously, give graciously, but would you help me welcome to this platform, literally a prophet that needs no introduction, a friend of Christ Fellowship, North Georgia Revival. So honored to have you back tonight. Would you let Jeremiah Johnson know you love him? Blessing, blessing. many of you were able to um, what um, what you guys don't know is um, um, three years ago we had no money this church we had Pastor Marty, how many leaks in the room? 30 leaks in the room. That we put black buckets in the ceiling. In the middle of the glory of God falling. But we sold a financial gift to a local church that of $50,000 when we needed to replace a roof of 280000 and we literally depleted below our line of liquidity. And the Lord has blessed our church because of that seed. Our elders just met in the back. I met with them about a month ago and I said, the Lord wants us to sow some money into significant ministries. And, um, and um, missionaries and so forth. And they just said, um, we want to sow $25,000 into Jeremiah Johnson Ministries tonight into your ministry. Yeah, 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 yeah. My Lord Jesus. My Lord Jesus. That was completely unprompted by me. The, my, my elders, they hear the Lord, they sense the Spirit of God, and and they felt that this is the one uh, of seeds of $100,000 that we'll be planting in, in other ministries. We've already put 25 in Shepherd's Ref Refuge and another 50 wherever the Lord leads. But, uh, but 25, just know that that will be on top of what the offering is tonight. So we just want to bless you. So come on, let's lift our voices. Let's magnify the Lord. God, we give you glory. Father, rain down your fire. Rain down your glory in this place. Lord Jesus, reign. Obey the Holy Ghost, Pastor. Prophet, thank you. Wow, thank you. So humbled. I've tried to drink as much hot tea as I could to try to give you all I've got. I really want to pour out tonight. We went to the restaurant after service. You know, how many of you were able to be here this morning? I'd encourage you, if you didn't, didn't make, couldn't make it, I'm going to preach part two tonight, part one. I preached a message called the civil war in the church, the clash at the gates between the doorkeepers of revival and the 
gatekeepers of religion. I want to continue. Felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to go down that path again tonight before we do the baptisms. But we went to the restaurant and an older woman, uh, we, we've got four children uh, that are all here. My beautiful wife, Morgan, is in attendance. And uh, our three-year-old, her name is Hadassah. She's a cute little talking girl. And uh, in the restaurant here in Dawsonville, a, a woman asked her her age, and she said, three. And then my three-year-old just looked at her and said, did you go to church? And the woman said, no. And I kid you not, I watched this whole thing. Our three-year-old points at the woman and says, you need to go to church. And she grabbed her check and left the restaurant. I don't know if that was a religious spirit or a manifestation of this morning, but I didn't know whether to be embarrassed or laugh. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Ezekiel chapter 44? Ezekiel chapter 44. I want to share uh, several encounters that I have had in the last several years. I'm going to be primarily looking at Ezekiel 44. I'm stunned at this painting that this individual has painted because I, I honestly, this is the message. I mean, it's, it's just wow. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask that you would glorify your son, Jesus, in this place. Jesus, we thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate, the encourager. Lord, we ask that you would come and do only what you can do tonight. God, have your way. We pray for fresh anointing on your word tonight. Lord, draw us into a deeper part of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. The end of 2018, I was at an end of the year prophetic conference at Morningstar Ministries with Rick Joyner, uh, Carol uh, and John Arnott were there, Daniel Kalenda, several others. And on December 31st, the last day of 2018, I had an angel visitation. I'm not someone that, that talks or describes angels a whole lot, to be honest with you. I really haven't interacted with the angelic realm as much as some other ministers that I have the privilege of ministering to. But at the end of 2018, I had two angels come to me as I laid down at night. The first angel that came to me was a blue angel that had fiery eyes, and it had a large broom in its hands. The second angel that came to me was a golden angel that had a beautiful white garment on. I understood in this visitation that the blue angel was an angel of cleansing and the gold angel was an angel of glory. And the angel of cleansing said something to me that changed my life. The angel said, there's a boom that's going to come to the upper room. But before the boom comes, the broom must come. Began to interact with these angels and then began to talk to me about 
how so much of the church cries out for the greater glory, but how so few of the church desires the realm of cleansing, the realm of repentance, the realm of the fear of the Lord and the severity of God that is required. We don't have to choose one or the other. In fact, I get frustrated when I do national television and the host asks me, Jeremiah, is it glory or crisis coming? The biblical answer is both. We're divorcing things in the scriptures that were meant to be married together. But I do believe that before we step into a true last day's outpouring of the Holy Spirit, like we have never known before, there is indeed a need for a broom, a cleansing judgment to come into the house of God. There is need for refiner's fire. There is a fuller's field. There is a soap that must come in the house of God if we are to inherit all that God promised. At the end of this encounter in 2018, I was instructed by the angel of cleansing to read Ezekiel 44. I've done the Bible reading plan before. As I mentioned this morning, I do do it by the Holy Spirit. But my eyes began to be enlightened by the spirit of revelation to what exactly this cleansing judgment that God is sending to his house is going to look like. If you need a scripture, 1 Peter 4, 17 says it's time for judgment to come into the house of God. And I want to encourage you, we not only need this, but it's a good thing. Many people associate judgment like, oh, I don't want that. I want to tell you, even in Revelation 3, the word judgment can be described as discipline. The judgment of God upon unbelievers is always destructive in nature. The judgment of God upon believers is always redemptive in nature. I want to invite you to begin to ask God for cleansing judgment in your life. I want to tell you that God is restoring true biblical prophetic ministry in America. True biblical prophetic ministry seeks to separate the precious from the vile, the unholy from the holy, the sheep from the goats. True prophetic ministry challenges compromise and mixture. It loves the body enough to call out sin and preach a message of repentance. I believe we are desperate for it in America. As someone who's been doing prophetic conferences for many years, I've noticed 
about how we advertise. In other words, on Friday night, if we say we're going to be doing some activation, we're going to be doing some impartation, everybody can come down and get a prophetic word. The registration goes through the roof. People are excited. They fall down. They laugh. They get a word. But then on Saturday night, when we announce we're going to talk about character, we're going to talk about the wilderness, we're going to talk about holiness, attendance literally drops by 50%. And I fear that we are breeding in America a supernatural generation that now knows nothing about the holiness and the purity of God. And I just want to remind us, they're not up in heaven saying grace, grace, grace. They're not circling the throne saying goodness, goodness, goodness. They are saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so if we're going to pray on earth as it is in heaven, then yes, we know that there's no sickness in heaven. So Lord, bring healing power down to earth. But we know that there's no sin up in heaven. There's no mixture in there's no compromise. So we also pray on earth as it is in heaven that God would raise up a supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles generation who walks in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I want to remind you the sin in the Bible was never intended to excuse yours. People, well, David had an affair, and this person, listen, there's a list of compromise and mixture in the Bible that seeks to remind us of the consequences of sin, and then there's also this guy named Jesus, who I want to tell you the only biblical character I'm modeling my life after is the Lord Jesus Christ, who had all power and all authority and who was without sin. It's quiet in here. Brother, we're doing baptisms. Hallelujah. I'm praying you not only get healed, but let's get delivered. People ask me, what's the strongest anointing you operate in, Brother Jeremiah? I always tell them the deer in the headlight anointing. And I love the power of God. I love miracles. I love signs and wonders. But I love the holiness of God. I love meetings where we cry and laugh and we see God's power break out. And I love those meetings where literally the fear of the Lord enters into the room. I love the glory where you either have to hit the floor or you have to hit the door. So I begin to read Ezekiel chapter 44. And I begin to be enlightened about some of the things that God is going to begin to deal with in his house. Again, the promise 
is that there's a boom that's coming to the upper room. There is a last outpouring that's coming. I, I believe in a third great awakening. I'm contending for it. But one of the bad things I've done is read my Bible in revival history. I'm kidding. And when I read my Bible and I read revival history, I find that there's never been a revival not built on repentance. It is essential. There must be a plumb line dropped in our lives. There must be a standard of morality that is non-negotiable where we refuse to prefer gifted, talented individuals over men and women of character. It is interesting in the scriptures, in Titus and Timothy, when it talks about church leadership, your ability to prophesy and your ability to heal the sick is nowhere to be found. But godly character and integrity is the plumb line and the baseline for true power and signs and wonders to begin to flow through to a people without mixture, God will pour out his spirit without measure. More glory, Lord. More booms in upper rooms. But Lord, I invite your broom in tonight. I invite you to begin to search me and know me, O oh God. I begin to allow you to use my spouse and my children as the primary instruments of sanctification. Folks, I believe one of the things that God is dealing with in the American church is individuals that are highly gifted, whose marriages are a train wreck. I mean, we already stepped on toes this morning. We might as well step on more tonight. This doesn't have to be the package deal thing. We have swallowed this realm of charismania in the American church where we just associate miracles, power, and prophecy with men and women who have bad marriages, kids who don't serve the Lord, money laundering affairs. And I'm just going to tell you, we've got to refuse to accept that this is what Jesus Christ not only died for, but clearly demonstrated in his life. Well, brother, you're being legalistic. The call to deeper levels of consecration will always be called legalism by those who aren't in love with Jesus. The call to deeper consecration is being le labeled legalism in America by people who are not 
passionately in love with him. When you get in a hot, burning, passionate love affair with Jesus, when you get in his real glory, that sin has to go in the name of Jesus. I just can't keep talking in tongues and cursing my wife. I just can't keep prophesying accurately and never even talking to my children. I can't keep I mean, we've got people trying to lay hands on the sick who can't even keep their hands off their girlfriend or boyfriend. We're raising a Simon the Sorcerer generation who are trying to get in a drive-through what Peter and John paid for with their life. All right, you ready to cry out for revival? Cry out for glory. Cry out for awakening. Just know the broom's coming. Come on, there's something more than the gooseies and the shakies. I was doing these meetings in 2015. The power of God was just flowing in Canada. And every night, I mean, it was like I felt like Benny Hinn. I mean, everyone just fell. And the pastor said to me, man, this is really, really intriguing. All these people falling, being touched by the Lord. There's, if I told you their lifestyle, if I, if I told you how they treated their wife, if I told you about, it just doesn't make sense to me. So the next night I stood up and said, if you can't take this out the door, stop falling on the floor. I know I just really offended some hyper-grace theology in America. Ezekiel chapter 44. Going to begin reading in verse 6. And you shall say to the rebellious ones, to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, Enough of all your abominations, O house of Israel, when you brought in foreigners. Can you say foreigners? When you brought in foreigners uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh to be in my sanctuary to profane it. Even my house, when you offered my food, the fat and the blood, for they made my covenant void. This is an addition to all your abominations. And you have not kept charge of my holy things yourselves, but you have set foreigners to keep charge of my sanctuary. 2015, I was invited to a mega church in America. Five services, 10,000 people. And I'm not really sure why the pastor did this, but he asked me to come and just observe the services, talk to the worship team, talk to the preacher, and then preachers, and then at the end, just give them my take on everything. So I flew up there. 
And I sit through the five services and in terms of excellence and not missing one note and one beat, there were no awkward moments. I mean, it was my definition of a well-oiled machine. At the end of the five services, I'm invited in the office and he says, well, what did you think? I said, do you know if anyone on the worship team is actually saved? I said, how much do you pay them to come every Sunday? He said, well, we pay these guys about 500 a pop. They're the most talented musicians in the area. I said, so they're hirelings, right? I said, is there any process of vetting, any, any born-again experience? I mean, do we know if they're out drunk at the bar one night and raising their hands in church another and speaking in tongues one night and then pulling down their pants the next? He just looked at me. And I said, sir, with all due respect, I see a well-oiled gate of religion here. I, I see a strong religious spirit in this region, and there is no glory of God. I said, you have brought foreigners into the house of God, and it is an abomination. I'm going to tell you, there are many foreigners in houses of God all over America that are an abomination to him because they have a form of outward behavior modification and they have never been circumcised and cut to the heart with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. See, when we talk about gates of religion, gates of religion always prefer performance and hirelings over sons and daughters that have been raised up within the family. See, what would happen if the show doesn't have to keep going? Well, brother, we don't have a drummer. Great, that's okay. Yeah, but, but, but the people. But, but we don't have, and we're racing to fill positions and find spots. And we are failing to do the work ourselves. And we would just rather farm it out to the world. And now we have a mixture of the world. And we have a mixture of Christianity. And then over time, we can't tell the difference between the club and the house of God. We can't tell the difference between an atmosphere in the bar, an atmosphere at the ball game in the house of God. And I'm just here to prophesy to you that God is coming to the American church 
and he is going to cleanse his house once again. And he is going to establish his rule and reign. And again, I said it this morning, and I'm going to say it again. When we water down the gospel, we strip it of its true power. The more that you bend, the more that you compromise, the more that you lower your standards, the more religious you will become, having a form of godliness but denying the power of God. See, I get excited. And my excitement is over. Wow, Lord, I know a lot of places are experiencing your power. A lot of places are experiencing your miracles. But I just can't wait to see a people who will actually run to the plumb line once again, who will actually commit themselves to consecration and holiness and healthy marriage and healthy family. I'm telling you, there's a revival coming to America called healthy marriage and family, called integrity, called character. When we miss it, we repent. When we make a mistake, we go out of our way to make it right. I had a worship leader come to me a couple years ago when we were pastoring, fresh off a divorce, brokenhearted, one of the most gifted singers I'd ever met. She came to me and said, Jeremiah, I need to heal. Can I lead worship? I said, let me tell you something, ma'am. I'm confident that when you leave this office, most pastors would leap at the opportunity to put you on the stage right now because of your gift. But as a father, as a father, see, we've got too many orphanages being run by orphans called churches. It's called religion. But in revival, God raises up fathers that give birth to families. And they're unable to be impressed with your gifting because they care about your character more. Isn't this great tonight? <laughs> he loves us. Your father in heaven loves you so dearly and he is way more concerned about working in you before he ever works through you. I mean, we're, we're talking about 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. We're talking about David being anointed king over Israel and the prophet forgetting the part of the prophecy where he's going to run from a demonized man for 13 years in the wilderness to get the Saul out of him. Brother, I'll just take the impartation line. This 
Bill Johnson honestly says it best. I can impart a gift to you. But it's my personal history in God that sustains my gift. You cannot impart a secret place in God to anyone. You cannot impart your yes through the fiery trials and tribulations. I'm even sometimes people lay hands on me. No. Remember what Leonard Ravenhill said? Everybody wants my mantle, but no one wants my sackcloth and ashes. See, folks, I, I want to see a generation not be shooting stars. I want to see them be shining stars. I don't want to meet people who had power and anointing for a season, and then 10 years later, they're not even serving God. I want to see God raise up fathers and mothers that will walk with young people and look past the gifting and say, I see a flaw in you. I see a skeleton in your closet. And if you don't get serious about that pornography addiction, you're going to not only ruin your marriage, you are going to ruin the lives of your children. You need to wake up right now at 17, 28, and 35. I love you too much to let you get away with this. That's what we teach our kids. I love you too much not to discipline you right now. You are not going to act out in the flesh and not have restraint applied to that action. I love you too much, daughter. And you could hear a rat pee on a cotton ball in here. Should I just jump in the baptismal again? God's coming to clean house, not because he's mad, because he loves us. Oh, man. Father... All right, I'm going to keep preaching the Bible. Are you ready? The Bible says they that hate correction are stupid. Praise the Lord. The prophet did not just offend you. The word of God offended you. But here's the orphan spirit in a snapshot and this lack of fathering and religious thing. Orphans receive correction as rejection. And there is such a lack of real mothering and fathering in the church that when we begin to preach the word of God and it hurts our feelings, we tune out, we shut down, we can't swim through the love of the Father that I'm telling you wants to manifest in your life tonight. God, deal with the dad issues tonight. Deal with the authority issues tonight. God, I pray that a spirit of rebellion would be broken in these waters. 
You've not kept charge, verse 8, of my holy things yourselves. How many people have kids? How many of you got a TV? Isn't it so much easier to just let them watch a device than interact with them? Isn't it so much easier in the house of God to get all the gimmicks, to get all the... Isn't it just so much easier to trade? And we allow individuals who have not been born again to begin to dictate how we live our lives. Warning, psychology, Warning, folks, there are all sorts of fields that the American church has a higher respect for than the Word of God. Well, so-and-so said, do they have the Spirit of God living down on the inside of them? Do they have the precepts of the Word of God? I could get in so much trouble right now. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, man. He loves us. Verse 10, but the Levites who went far from me, when Israel went astray, who went astray from me after their idols, shall bear the punishment for their iniquities. God is obviously upset with the Levites, the leaders, the ministers, because they have made an exchange with the world they have invited mixture and compromise. They have invited foreigners in the house of God. And he is saying, you will bear the iniquity. He's pronouncing judgment. Is that clear? Okay. But what about verse 11? Yet, can you say yet? They shall be ministers in my sanctuary having oversight at the gates of the house and ministering in the house. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice. But then you need to underline this line. And they shall stand before them to minister to them. When I'm coming off this encounter with these two angels and I'm reading Ezekiel 4 by spirit of revelation, all of a sudden I stop right here and say, wait a minute, Lord, you just pronounced a judgment but said yes, yet. The Lord said, correct. Did you forget I blessed Ishmael too? he says to me, yes, I bless many things that I will never inhabit. He's a kind, good God. 
See, the, the, the challenge is you, you know people who screw around, they mess around, live compromised lifestyle, they still walk in power, they still, we, we know that it's just, Lord, but, but this guy, we read revival history, A.A. Allen, sorry. You know, well, this guy did this, and this guy did that, and I'm okay, I'm okay. Have you ever heard people, it's like they, they were comparing our realm of sanctification to people at work who aren't even saved, and we feel good about it. I'm the most holy person, at, of course, they don't even know God. And we settle for far less than what God is inviting this generation into because of the mixture around us. When God is saying in this hour, all eyes on Jesus, all eyes on Jesus, behold the spotless Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the earth. Behold the Lamb of God. You might be sitting there tonight and you knew a man or woman of God who walked in power and influence and they were sleeping with somebody. They were spending the money somewhere else and you allowed it to cause you to be jaded and to be critical. You allowed someone else's hypocrisy to cause you to operate in it right now. You travel and do altar calls. How many people have been hurt by the church? I mean, everybody and their grandma and grandma, grandma. All eyes on Jesus. We honor men and women of God, but we do not worship them. We don't worship angels. We don't worship five-fold ministers. We worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let his life and his life alone be the plumb line in America again. So he literally, he tells the Levites, there's compromise and there's mixture, yet I'll still allow you to minister in my house. Don't you wish God just made it easier? Like, don't you wish if the guy that you love and you think he's an awesome, if he was sleeping with someone, there would just be like a red dot on their forehead. fooling me I see the red dot God just made it easier to expose all the frauds all the scammers all the people used to ask me tell us tell us who are the false prophets just list them online give me a list of names of people I should stay away from in America you know what the Lord said to me one day not do not rob my people of the gift of discernment that is most precious in these days.
See, I'm, I'm landing the plane, but in the book of Romans, it says the gifts and call are irrevocable. In other words, if God has given someone the gift of miracles, they will function in that miracle gift regardless of their lifestyle choices. So if that is true, what will you be most impressed with? I've created a lot of really awkward situations in America. Sitting on platforms with people, you're in panels, and all the questions are about the gift. And I say, how's your marriage? And people look, brother, how could you? How rude. And I'm like, this is what Jesus really cares about. Because he said there would be prophesying. There would be casting out of devils away from me. I never knew you. So the Lord wants to release a new appetite in the body of Christ. He wants to redirect what we hunger for, what we honor for, what we esteem men and women for. I'm telling you, there's a revival coming to America that will be centered on marriage and family. We have young people today that are not impressed with the platform. They're not impressed with the preaching. They honestly just want a mom and dad to invite them in their home home. Teach me how to parent my kids. Teach me how to love my wife in an hour of crisis. Hallelujah. So I'm confused reading this. I'm like, Lord, what? What? You're upset, there's judgment, but yet. And here's the phrase, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. Verse 13, and they shall not come near me to me to serve as a priest to me, nor come near to any of my holy things, to the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. When I used to think about the judgment of God, I would think about Ananias and Sapphira. I would think about Sodom and Gomorrah. I would think about, Lord, whenever you're going to strike the compromise pulpit preachers, whenever you're going to strike them down dead, we'll know that they're a fraud. And immediately the Lord began to correct my theology and let me know That there is judgment on the house of God, and the judgment looks like being blessed and limited to horizontal ministry. God says... You can prophesy. God says you can lay hands. God says that you, you can, you can do this. This is horizontal. 
We can do this all day long and still be underneath his displeasure and his we can just keep going with the religious ministry machine and not even know his judgment is resting on us. I remember calling Brother Ravenhill, David Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill's son. He began to weep and wail on the phone when I began to share this with him. I mean, he, he came under like the, the kind of the shaking and said, Brother Jeremiah, you're describing most of the American church. Right? Welcome to ministry school. We're going to teach you how to preach. Welcome to ministry school. We're going to teach you how to lay hands. We're going to teach you how to prophesy. Welcome to the ministry where it's all about horizontal. And then Ezekiel makes a shift. Verse 15, but... But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me, listen to it, shall come near to me, shall minister to me, and they shall stand before me. God is saying to us tonight that there are two types of ministry in the house of God. There is ministry to the God of the house, and then there is ministry to the house of God. And any time ministry to people becomes more important than ministry to him, we are living in idolatry. Imagine the kind of shaking that would come to the gates of religion when preachers would get set free from the pressure that it's all about ministry to people and they were corrected with a biblical theology that says, I want to teach you how to priest before the Lord. For did not Samuel rise in Israel and restore the priestly ministry to the prophetic ministry? What if we got worshipers on a platform instead of musicians? You know the difference? Musicians only play when they're in front of people. Worshippers worship Jesus and craft their skills in the prayer room and in their bedroom. They've learned how to minister the anointing back to an audience of one rather than becoming addicted to ministry. Folks, I'm telling you, there is an addiction to ministry at the gate of religion that God wants to set people free from. Ex-addicts make the best church workers. Be 
because we take their addiction to substances and then we get them addicted to church work. And I'm here to tell you the truth. Being addicted to religious routine has nothing to do with being addicted to Jesus. We need to get you delivered and set free and then find your identity in Christ because your identity in Christ has zero to do with religious performance. All right, we're talking fathering now. Talking revival now. In revival, fathers and mothers will rise and birth families. We don't serve for love. We serve from love. Because that love and that affirmation and that focus, I want to free you tonight. I want to commission you tonight as we close. I want to bless you into ministry to the Lord. Thanks, bro. It's like it breaks my heart when people refer to ministry as a career. It's a calling. If you wouldn't do it for free, get out. Well, brother, I just won't come play the drums unless you pay me. See ya, you can go play somewhere else. Man. And it's, it's just rising in the generations. You literally have to pay for everything in the house of God because we have adopted CEO business models and tried to marry them to the New Testament and God wants to vomit. Where's pastor? I'm sorry, he's not available. He's ministering to the Lord. When I was pastoring, we had so, we had so many counseling appointments, so many this and this, just local church work. And I got this idea. How about we have every couple seeking marriage counseling require them to go to one prayer meeting a week? Do you know we cut down the appointments by 50% in one week because you ask people to actually get in the place of prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to work on them rather than continuing to blame the church for what they're not doing? Oh, I feel revival in my bones tonight. I feel a third great awakening coming to America. I see a boom coming to the upper room, but I see a broom being stretched out over the American church. I see people getting delivered of being addicted to ministering to people. And I see God saying it's time to pull back and learn how to minister to me because how can we effectively minister to people if we're not ministering to God. See, I'm not trying to get you to pick tonight. I'm trying to establish a biblical order of priority.
We prioritize ministry to the God of the house before ministry to the house of God. It will, it will literally change the trajectory of your marriage. It will change the trajectory of your family. It will change the trajectory. Saints, I'm telling you, the men and women of old knew the secret of the secret place. They knew what it meant to priest before the Lord. When God goes searching for prophets, he doesn't go to social media. He goes to the prayer room. I just want to deliver deliver you from an addiction to trying to knock down that door, trying to get your name out there, trying to call that pastor for another gig. Forget how many likes, forget how many followers, forget how many subscribers. My worth, my value, my significance has nothing to do with the temporary because I am rooted and grounded in the eternal reality that God is my father and I am his son and he loves me so deeply that he's willing to speak truth to me tonight that will set me free that I'll have to no longer keep going down this religious road in America of orphans and orphanages for I prophesy to you that the love of the father the real holy father Father will be manifested in America and he will instruct you and he will correct you and he will rebuke you because he loves you and he will straighten you out. He will speak to those crooked places. He will take you. I just want a spiritual father. No, you don't. You want a sugar daddy. No, you just want someone that's going to affirm your carnality and give you a platform. I'm calling this generation on their bluff. Every real spiritual, see, I'm a product of spiritual fathering. There is no way I would, I, let me tell a story real quick. 2016, I get off the platform, just preached to thousands and thousands of people. Crowd went wild, miracles, the whole thing. I, I kid you not. I had not even stepped through the threshold of my hotel room before my phone rang. My spiritual father. And he says to me, hey, don't let success get to your head. Hey, are you already becoming prideful of the doors that God is opening up for you? Don't forget where you came from. I want you to know that success is toxic. I want you to know to never believe your own press. I want you to know that God doesn't care about your platforms. He wants your marriage. God doesn't want you to just become the next superstar preacher whose kids don't even know. And I'm like... Thank you. Thank you. I, I hadn't even... See, that's the love of the Father. He wasn't calling to butter 
me up and oh wow, you're famous and you're so great and how many did you prophesy to? Lord, give us fathers and give us mothers. Steve, I'll close with this. There are hundreds and thousands of mothers and fathers all over the American church who are overlooked every week. And you know why they're overlooked? Because they don't have a platform. They don't have a big social media following. They don't have a big book deal. And young people these days, they just look over the gold that's sitting right in front of you. I'm telling you, there is gold in this room. And they might not have a huge social media following, but they have a huge capacity of God inside of them that your marriage and your family needs. So God raised up the sons and daughters of Zadok. There's a changing of the guard in the American church. God will not allow the boom to continue to go off without the broom. I'm going to have an altar call tonight. I want to pray. For anyone in this room who feels God, the Spirit, drawing you into a deeper level of sanctification. I want to pray for individuals tonight who know that God wants to connect you to kingdom family and kingdom mothering and fathering that isn't always going to make you feel good, but they'll speak truth to you. I want to pray for you tonight. Pastor, would you come? Thank you, Prophet. What we want to do tonight as we transition to our altar time is to um, move quickly into our baptismal services to get our first group up, and then we're going to be opening up the altar service for people tonight. And so what we would like to do, if you are a part and a member of the global staff, Alter Global Staff, uh, we're going to ask you to take your family and come to the stage at this time. Norman Crookshank will be behind me uh, right here if you'll come up these steps. If you're a part of the Alter Global Staff ministry team, you're going to come here and then you're going to go up these steps. Norman, if you'll wave your hand right here, he's going to take care of you. So if that's you, come right now. If you're a part of the Alter Global Staff we're going to put these people in the water first. They've been ser serving for the last uh, few days. They came here, sacrificed their families to be here. Praise God for them. And in just a few moments, we're going to be bringing up letter A. So you're going to look for that as well. So the Alter Global staff and their families are going to come at this time. And then we're going to put up letter A in just a few moments and then after letter A, if you attended the Global Altar Conference and pre-registered for baptism, uh, you can come at that point as well when I make that announcement. But Prophet Jeremiah, thank you for the word tonight. I feel the presence of the Lord. We're going to go right into the altar time, but we wanted to get that uh, in motion and so that there's no distractions and no delay. How many of you have been blessed tonight? How many of you have been thoroughly, fully blessed? completely blessed tonight. 
So I want you to stand to your feet. Prophet, just want to turn it right back over to you as we prepare for baptism. From the broken cisterns of religion. I said this morning, I believe that God is releasing a holy jailbreak in America where He is inviting us out of a certain paradigm of ministry that many of us have been taught and been a spectator at our entire life. The Spirit of God is inviting us to a well, to the river who is Jesus. If you have a prayer language, I just want to begin to ask you to open up your mouth and begin to pray all over this room. Jesus said, John 7, 37, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. I'm, I'm praying for a breakthrough tonight. I'm praying for a hunger and an appetite for the secret place and learning what it means to priest before the Lord like never before. Would you begin to pray with me? Not going to the secret place for a message or a teaching. hear God saying over some of us I miss you I remember the devotion of your youth remember the days when you used to press into my presence I'm inviting you back home return to your first love you're here tonight I'm going to call two groups forward first group if you feel that the Lord is calling you into a deeper level of intimacy if you feel a ministry to the Lord desire I want you to come down to the front challenge you to get out of neutral get out of coasting Get out of going through the motions. Good, good. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He likes you. He wants you to come. you just open up your mouth pray a prayer sing a new song telling you we've got to invite the awkward back into the church we've got to be willing to encounter him on his terms not ours 
Lord, minister to our appetites tonight. Appetite dictates the direction of our lives. God, we're asking for a God appetite. God, we just want you. got time tonight open up your mouth just make it about him it's okay just make it about him we come for him we come to love on him we come to adore him he's the reason why we came Lord for the things we've made it Lord we're coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you it's all about you Lord we're sorry for whatever we've made our Christian experience loves you feel his love tonight God pour out your affection God I ask that you would begin to woo a generation come on get off that religious rat wheel get off of that spinning plates God doesn't need more workers God needs more lovers he doesn't need more workers God needs more lovers God doesn't need more preachers he needs more lovers pour it out pour it out let's break that alabaster box raise up some Davids in this room one thing I've asked one thing I've seen that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze at his beauty Lord raise up a generation of God gazers he just wants to be with you he's more interested in changing you than using you 